Hello and welcome to the MTB Connect podcast. I'm Shannon Osrin. Today's discussion will be on digital health. I have with me uh, Arthur Ong. He's the head of project management at Curve Tomorrow. We're excited to start this discussion. So Arthur, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Shannon. So just a bit about myself. I'm from uh, Curve Tomorrow and we are a digital health technology company. And we've got this big, crazy goal of trying to impact the lives of a billion people with digital health. Products. Yeah, we build digital health products, so like apps and virtual reality, um, artificial intelligence, anything that's digital, um, we, we like to uh, we like to play with. So, and so tell us, uh, you you work with digital health. Is it software? Is it technology? Yeah. Is it physical actual products? Yeah. So digital health is um, is is very broad um, in the sense that it is anything that could be a mobile application. It could have a a wearable component, it could be um, something that connects with sensors, um, an app which collects a lot of data, artificial intelligence, machine learning, so anything in that sort of digital realm, anything that has a digital component, but very much focused around um, how it helps patients, clinicians, and medical workflows. Um, that's essentially what digital health is. Patient access is a big topic at the moment. How do we protect our data? Yeah, so um, a lot of the um, the data that we collect, we use um, Australian-based servers only, uh, particularly for um, trials, clinical trials, and, and other research studies that we do in Australia. There are, you know, standards that we also need to comply with. They are sort of um, patient privacy, health information uh, standards that we all comply with, and that ensures the best possible um, integrity of data, um, of patient data, particularly. Mm. Curve has been around for 10 years. Curve has been around for 10 years, yeah. Yeah, so it's a fairly, fairly recent company. Yeah. Um, how, are you, how are you thriving? How are you placed in the sector? Um, so fortunately, um, we are actually embedded at Murdoch Children's Research Institute. So a lot of our initial project work came from just working in the digital translation space with the researchers. And we have that unique I guess skill set of, of working alongside clinicians and researchers to translate their research and medical concepts into a digital health product. Mm. Um, again, that's something that we feel is, is unique um, as opposed to just being a, um, an app developer that you can engage either locally or internationally. It's, it's having that constant engagement and learning with clinicians um, for, the, for, the, for the past decade. Mm. Murdoch Children's Research Institute, that's based in Melbourne, but you you yourself are in Perth, yeah. so you have Australia-wide focus. We do. We do have Australia-wide focus. Um, we, we particularly love, um, I guess, what we've learnt in the East Coast and trying to bring those learnings back across the WA and trying to make that whole WA health ecosystem um, better. So your trips to a global uh, digital health meccas, I guess, um, really would shape your learnings and the way that you would put in to the Australian digital health space. Yeah, oh look, it's, um, we've got so many clever people in Australia. I think it's really the environment that's different um, overseas. But uh, again, with the Australian researchers, the medical um, professionals, um, you know, technologists like ourselves, um, we definitely have the talent to deliver some really amazing um, products and particularly with you know a lot of the grants that are funded through MTP Connect, I think that would really help um, build the ecosystem and and remove some of the the barriers which a lot of the times is funding uh, for for technology uh, health technology transformations. So um, 
yeah, certainly I think we've got the right ecosystem for it. I think the time is ripe to actually do it now. Um, and particularly with that funding component, I think that would help a lot. Speaking of funding, MTB Connect funds and health. Yep. You familiar with and health? Yeah, we're a founding partner of and health. We're probably more on the enabling side. So um, we focus very much around the design thinking, focusing around what the stakeholders actually need from a uh, from a technology and from a user requirement. Um, you know, we would work alongside companies like, you know, DoseMe, not, not saying we worked with them, but, you know, to try and understand the problems that they're trying to solve and then, if possible, work through a digital solution that might come out of it. And, and for them, it was a, a mobile application. You know, we've worked very closely with Murdoch Children's Research Institute where we've partnered with them to develop, you know, research products into mobile apps, for example, HeadCheck. Uh, and that's like a concussion management tool for, um, for early stage sports, um, for kids particularly if they get knocked in the head. The first thing um, you know, parents and sports teams do is, oh, they've got concussion. But again, with MCRI's research team, we've developed a, um, a decision-making app which basically allows care of the child, pre preventing them from actually going to hospital until they actually have to. So, and that's an, uh, an app which the AFL have recently come on board as a, um, as a partner in with MCRI ourselves and the, and the app HeadCheck. So really good example of translation. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was actually going to bring that up just yep. now. Tell us more about some of the products that you developed. So there's the AFL, the major partner, yep. but you've also got um, a virtual reality yep. Uh, app, which is very interesting, yeah. very futuristic, which is pretty cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got a product called Virtual U. Um, it's basically a, a virtual reality simulation platform which allows uh, the user to immerse themselves in clinical settings uh, where they can experience, you know, difficult situations with patients, um, you know, unique uh, um, incidences, for example, a debilitating patient. Um, they're able to experience that in virtual reality. Um, that was uh, a project that we were very fortunate to be funded by Victorian government to develop um, the platform, um, which has now been run through Swinburne and Homeschooling University um, during a pilot uh, to test, I guess, the effectiveness and efficacy of that product. So very exciting time for us with that product. And yeah. how's that space, virtual reality? Yeah, look, um, virtual reality more recently has um, matured. It's not just a gaming device anymore certainly the willingness to adopt VR uh, where applicable is, is, is definitely becoming more common. Uh, the cost of the actual devices are, um, are coming down which makes it uh, less barrier to entry again and the technology is improving so much that it's becoming more reality. Uh, they used to have um, you know people who complain about getting motion sickness but these days the technology is improving so much that it does feel real. So look, it definitely has a space. Um, you know, we've seen some amazing other virtual reality apps. Um, one of them is called SmileyScope, which was developed by um, a, a pediatrician um, in Melbourne, um, where it was a distraction therapy, where it would take people, take the children through, uh, I guess, an aquatic scenario where it would distract them from actually getting um, the blood taken. So it's very interesting virtual reality as a space. Um, but then moves across to augmented reality, which then brings the reality into your yeah, with an augmented um, information around it. So augmented reality is another very exciting space. So your virtual reality um, device, is that used in practical settings? Yeah, look, I don't think um, any of these technologies will ever take away from um, the current practices. I think they would definitely complement and supplement them. I think, you know, students and learners, they're always looking for um, increased engagement. 
um, I think compared to learning from a textbook, um, you know, having a immersive situation where you can experience things, um, that definitely enhances the learning experience. So I don't feel that it would ever take away or certainly complement and make that learning experience better. Have you done a lot of testing with, uh, with that device specifically in universities? Yeah, yeah. so like I said, we're, we're running trials at the moment with um, Swinburne and Holmes Glen um, in Victoria, um, University in TAFE. Uh, running a trial where I guess the students will, one group of students will learn with the VR component, another one more traditional learning methods. And from that study, we're going to try and understand better, um, I guess, the efficacy of VR versus just traditional. So stay tuned. Hopefully we'll get some uh, next, next podcast I can share a bit more with you. Yeah, watch the space, guys. Yeah. Hi, my name's Lauren Kelly. I'm the director of the Biomedical Translation Bridge Program here at MTP Connect. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast series and remind you to make sure you subscribe. That way you get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And while you're at it, give us a rating and leave a comment. It's easy to do and it really helps other people find our podcasts. I also wanted to remind you that it's not too late to register for our BTB Round 2 information sessions coming up next week. We'll be in Sydney on Monday the 3rd of Feb, Adelaide on Wednesday the 5th of Feb and Brisbane the following week on Wednesday the 12th of Feb. Again, thanks for listening. Now back to our discussions with Arthur Ong. So with Curve... Tell us about the Australian digital health space. How, how is that shaping up these days? Very good question. How long have you got? <laughs> um, <laughs> look, if I just focus on research and translation, uh, I think it's a very exciting space because you know, researchers are at the forefront of you know, treatments and, and understanding you know, different pathologies. So um, digital health in that research translation space is is exciting. Um, there's a lot of movement happening. Um, not, it's not just becoming data collection tools anymore. It's actually decision-making tools that we're developing, um, which then moves us into that software as a medical device space. So digital health is actually becoming more and more device-like. Um, there's also digital health in the more gamification space, where you know you actually create games for, say, children to go through a particular type of treatment, but they don't understand what they, they all they feel is that they're playing a game. But in the background, it's actually collecting how they're thinking, how they're behaving, how, they're, how the treatment is actually affecting um, themselves, but via an app, which is a game. Mm. That, that information you're collecting is secure. It's not... Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the information that we collect is um, normally falls part of like an ethics process. Mm -hmm. So everything that we do has to be maintained and secured and normally done through the research protocols. Mm -hmm. Security is a is a big thing with data. You don't want you don't want your data to be picked up by anyone else. No, no. Yeah. So most of the times with research studies, the data is typically anonymized, or, or there's um, an ability to de-identify um, the data. So it's very difficult to then trace it back to who that data came from. So there are protocols that we we together with the the research institutes that and the research teams put in place. That's all part of the development phase, I guess. Yeah, that's right. So let's talk about commercialization. Yeah. So your, any of your products, um, have they been commercialized? Yeah, um, so HeadCheck, as, as I mentioned before, that's a, um, a product that we've been involved in that's recently been commercialized where we've got external parties then investing um, into the app. 
um, and again being available for, for public usage. We've got, so there's a few apps I probably couldn't talk about, but they have translated and get, actually getting fee paying users for. Well, that's great. It's, it's always good to hear those, those stories because yeah. it's, it's a long way to commercialization sometimes mm. for companies. So it's, it's good to see that you're out there and, and doing things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to touch on some of the partners that you have with those applications. Yeah. How do, you, how do you begin the process of reaching out to those partners? I think it's important to, I guess, to be humble in the approach. I think you know, no one's ever better than the other person. I think um, approaching, for example, we were fortunate when we first engaged with Murdoch Children's that I guess we, we were helping them, um, I guess, build their digital health um, journey and to be involved at that early stage where you don't really expect anything, where you're just here to help. I think if, that's, if you're true to that, um, intent, then people will see that you really want to help. You're not here just to make, I guess, money, that the priorities start to change. I think um, that's how we started that journey is that we're just here to help. And obviously it's nice to be recognized for your service by, by getting paid for it, but it's just that desire to help and, and people can see that. Mm. Does, it, does it form into kind of the art of pitching? Do you, do you have to have a good pitch to get that investment? Um, I've never been a sales sort of pitch person, but I think it's just showing authenticity. Yeah. I think um, people back the people, not the product. I mean, the product does have a part to play, but they look at the people that are involved and, and um, that's who they typically back and, 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 and invest with. So I think, yeah, just showing authenticity, um, obviously being, you know, showing that hustle, the ability to hustle, yeah. um, show that never die attitude. I think people do invest in who you are as the person they, they, they want to partner with. I mean, it's a very, very important that when we talk to clients and you know, research and medical clinicians is, is to be very selective when you're choosing projects because, you know, ideas are 1%, it's the execution that's the 99%. So, you know, doing your market research, making sure that you, you know, you, you, you assess competition um, and, and having that honest conversation at the start to say, look, you know, we think this will be successful or not. I think it's important to, that, that's how you decide on a successful product is that you've done your research, you've done your due, due diligence and you've got that unique selling point. Well, yeah, a selling point is a good thing to have yeah. and how, how you achieve that is you have to have a strategy and... Yeah. Also um, talking to the right people. Yeah. I think, um, you know, spending time, understanding what the problems are. I think that's really important. A lot of, a lot of tech, techie people, they, they will want to, you know, just build an app for building an app sake, but it's actually having those conversations with clinicians, you know, stakeholders, uh, and identifying what the real world problems are, and from there then you can, then there's more, more chance of success. In the, in the digital health space, there's, there's so much out there, so, so many products, how, how, do you, how do you make yours stand out? One very crucial part of, of app development, or particularly the health space, um, is, is what we call the curve way, and it very much focuses around design thinking principles, where we actually get to the grassroots of the problems. So we'll speak to what we call personas, um, you know, patients, clinicians, you know, doctors, uh, you know, administrators, buyers of the potential buyers of the product, and have those real kind of honest conversations with them around what would make them. I guess choose to, to, to for a particular product 
um, I think it's always a conversation that are really important to have that deliver success in the future. Yeah. I mean, anyone can you know design and build an app, but it's really understanding the grassroots problems. Mm. I that's a, well, it's a lot to really consider when you're thinking about making an app. It can maybe seem a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you say overwhelming, I think. The, the world is such a big place. There are so many problems to try and solve. So it's really trying to, you know, pinpoint something small, what we call low-hanging fruit. Um, you know, get some traction around that one simple idea, and then building it progressively. And then that's, you know, then you then you minimise your risk uh, in terms of investing too much into building the full app. So you build it in, you know, you build minimum features, what we call minimum viable products, and then you you test it with users. You get the user feedback. And then you in, and then you can develop the app and dip, and build more features with that. So Arthur, I guess um, I'll just touch on the the trends. Yeah. The digital health is a big sector in Australia. What um, what do you see the future for? If you can project any anything onto uh, the sector, what would you say would be the future? Ah, oh, look, I think I think there's a massive part for artificial intelligence and machine learning in the digital health space. I, like I said, I think virtual reality and augmented reality um, for that whole patient engagement side of things will, will, will be huge. Um, wearables as well, when you get real-time monitoring of, of your personal information um, with you know Apple Watches, Fitbits and the like, I think that'll play a very important part as well. I mean, the technology is here now, but it's only going to get better. You know, again, in the whole genomics, phenomics, well, big data, where data is the new is the is the key real estate. I think that's going to play a huge role um, in terms of what you can actually extract and analyze out of uh, out of data. But out of all that, I still it, I still think the focus around um, patient-centered care. We really appreciate your time you. and uh, taking us through the digital health space yep. because it's a very big field. Easy, easy to navigate when you know when you're where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Although it's um, it's a very exciting um, when you can combine healthcare and technology together. Um, you know, any um, yeah, it, it's it's just, it's just such a um, uh, you don't work, you don't wake up feeling that you're going to work anymore. You're actually able to do what you love, but also impact the lives of people. So, I certainly encourage um, anyone that's got um, a keenness around healthcare and digital to. To, to give me a call and, and, and I'd love to have chat to more people around digital health. Great. Yeah. Well, this is the M2B Connect podcast. We appreciate you checking us out. We're on all your podcast platforms, Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us a rating, give us some feedback. We really appreciate it. Until next time.